Welcome to Prayer in Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. I'm one of your hosts, Jill Thompson. I'm a registered psychologist and sexual health educator from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And my name is Nick Coates. I'm a minister here in Calgary. This podcast is open, honest, raw conversations, most likely conversations you have not heard in church. But we think you probably should. Each episode, we tackle a topic about spirituality and sexuality, and we see where it goes. So let's get started. Please note that while these conversations are just conversations between us, they do not replace any serious psychological or even theological advice. And that if you find yourself triggered in one of our episodes, please know that you can find help in your area. If you don't know of any of those places that are safe for you to access in terms of a distress center or a church that's safe and affirming, we can try and help you find that and you can email us. Welcome to Prayer and Private Parts, our podcast about sex and Jesus. And today we're going to talk about gender, which we've talked about a couple times. And I know we've gone over defining what the binary gender is, but today we're going to talk about non-binary trans identities, but also intersex and not because they're the same thing, but because often the world thinks they're the same thing. How are you today, Nick? I'm good. Thank you. Good. We are a couple weeks away from Christmas, like eight days away. And as a pastor, it's the most wonderful time of year, right? Oh, it's so jolly. <laughs> My spirit is full of hope, joy, peace, and love. If you are somehow connected to a church, still give your pastors, priests, leaders, just some loving over the season. Cause yeah, <laughs> I tweeted out that this week should be by your um, church staff, a coffee week. Yeah. And throw a little something extra into that coffee while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the thing about, I think the thing like people, if I could tell people anything, it would be for a lot of us, like we like Christmas, Mm -hmm. but it's not an easy time. Yes. And just underneath the surface of that excitement is a lot of resentment Mm -hmm. Um, because everyone is at home celebrating with their families. We're, we're working. Yeah. Um, And it's really hard on us and especially our partners. Yeah. And kids and things like that. So yeah, like I'm excited for it, but like, it's, it's also like, I've got a lot of shit to do. Yes, I can't even. I was actually thinking, I'm like, well, actually, my practice, I don't take new clients around this time of year because I have a lot of clients that'll come back just to check in just before Christmas, like a little mental health top mm-hmm. up kind of deal. So, yeah, I like think the it's, family's coming over, mm-hmm. lots of going to happen. Yeah, or it's some like the loss, right? Like there's oh, people, and yeah, Christmas is so hard for so many people. Yeah, or this idea of like what it should have been, especially around like. If people are having families that split up. Anyway, that's a whole other. I think we might even do like a bonus podcast episode. A holiday survival guide. Holiday survival guide. Yeah. Um, that's something we've been talking about just because, yeah, clearly we could talk about this forever. But today, let's talk about gender. And specifically, I'm going to just define, like, go over the definitions of transgender, non-binary, gender diverse identities, as well as intersex. And again, not because they're the same thing, but because we often mix up sex and gender in our society, but also because when we're talking about these biblical passages, it is unclear with some of them if they're talking about trans identities, non-binary identities, or intersex identities. So this way, if we define both of them, we kind of have a knowledge here. So we have gender. Let's talk about that again quick. Often what we have in the world is this binary male, female, but there's lots of gender identities that don't fit into that binary category. So some people, we we say that it's transgender is like the umbrella term. And then under transgender is a bunch of different identities. So if you Google like transgender umbrella, there's some really cool, helpful tools out there for you to look at. Um, but under that, we could have... Um, trans folks who maybe identify as non-binary, so they don't identify within the binary of male or female. Um, There could be gender queer, gender fluid, um, some other ones. Like if some folks who do end up doing some medical transitioning, maybe they'll identify as a trans guy, trans male, trans female. Uh, Some people will be F to M, so female to male, M to F, male to female. And then some people, when they transition, will just identify as the gender that they identify with, right? So that is a social construct. We build these ideas socially, what gender is. And so people can identify with the gender that they choose. And so, 
yeah, gender is often how we think of ourselves. I feel like Nick is, I'm watching Nick's face because he's Googling the trans umbrella right <laughs> I've now. Never, I've never, like, th- that never occurred to me to think about it as an umbrella. Yeah. Because um, so often, um, I think intellectually, like, I would I would get that. But mm-hmm. the people I've met who are trans or have just transitioned from kind of male to female. And it, it, it appears to me very, to be very straightforward. But to look up an image on Google, like it's, it's a very helpful way to understand just the, the spectrum yes, and the diversity that transgendered actually represents. Yeah. Trans- like this is, yeah. Like there's transsexuals, male to female, mm-hmm. two-spirit, bi-gender, third-gender. Yes. Um, and then drag, agendered, mm-hmm. masculine women. Like, it, this is this is so fascinating. Yeah, and I like, I like some of those terms, too, that I didn't mention, right? So, I'll talk briefly about some of them. So, two-spirit is uh, a term that comes from Indigenous communities. So, not all indig- Indigenous communities, but I... It's, again, a term that somebody can use for themselves. Um, when colonization happened, right, we tore people's culture, language, traditions away. And a lot of Indigenous communities had multiple gender identities um, and had said that they had special medicine because of these gender identities. So, two-spirit, some Indigenous folks will use the term two-spirit, not all Indigenous folks, but it is an Indigenous term. Uh, I also like talking about drag kings and drag queens because it doesn't necessarily mean if somebody's doing drag that they're trans, but it can be a way to like play with gender. Often drag has been like a political movement, an amazing documentary to watch is Paris is Burning, talking about the history of voguing, which is really great, but just how drag can be like a really political movement. It can also be a way to like play with gender and like practice things or even try some things out or just like completely go into that binary, even if you don't identify with the binary. So lots of things under the trans umbrella. Um, We are going to have some folks on at some point in the future. We have a few people lined up, but talk like that are identify as trans or like gender diverse that are going to come onto the podcast and talk about their experiences in the church and being Christian, which I think will be great. So yes, that is gender. And so where we often intersect, um, that's a terrible word to use when I'm going to talk about intersect. So let me choose it. What do we? We often blend the two and kind of think they're the same thing with gender and sex, but sex is assigned at birth. And so often, again, it's male or female, right? We have these really ridiculous things called gender reveal parties, right? Where you cut into the cake and like, it's blue, which means that there's like, yes, it's like means that they saw a penis on the ultrasound. If they saw no penis, there's a pink cake that you get or the pink fireworks or whatever the gender reveal party is. Um, But actually one in a thousand people are intersex. So intersex means that um, it can be either hormonally on chromosomes, it can be with genitalia, but it means that it's not on this binary of male or female. Um, It can also be secondary sex characteristics. So an older term that people would know Um, Some people, especially in church community, I think this word is still used is hermaphrodite. And that was a really harmful, abusive term because we did a lot of like really hurtful surgeries and erasing of people's identities. Was it derogatory from the get-go? No, it was like a way that they thought like, oh, this person has ambiguous genitalia. We're going to choose for this baby what their gender is going to be based on this genitalia. But then often like hormones would kick in or secondary sex characteristics and they wouldn't match the like sex that they assigned at birth. And so it was really like, yeah, it was really difficult history. There's a a really great book called fixing sex. I feel like I'm just given lots of resources for this, but um, that talks about the history of intersex folks. There's some actually cosmopolitan did a really great, um, it was like a whole, magazine or what do you call it when I'm like a, a month about like intersex like a series kind of yeah but they were talking about like non-binary identities and trans folks and intersex and like lesbian queer folks yeah but I know Cosmo who knew um but they did a really great one on intersex so that is intersex one in a thousand people more common than redheads which You know, I think that people think, oh, intersex is so rare, but it's actually more common than we think. But we erase people's identities when we say that there's only male or female genders or that we can only assign male or female at birth. There's also some really great readings coming out that like, 
even sex, like the way that we assign sex and talk about sex is like a biological term is also a social construct, right? So like just this idea that like penis means male, right? So like what does that really mean that? So there's lots of conversations about that, but let's jump into the Bible because that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Um, if anybody has any comments, make sure you email us or tweet. Uh, we can, you have a Yeah, tweet Twitter. at us. Yeah, I'm at Nick A. Coates, C-O-A-T-E-S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great way if you're all into tweeting. Um, the other thing I was supposed to talk about at the beginning, which I didn't, and I'm going to just plug in now, <laughs> is that you need to subscribe. You need to. I am telling you to subscribe and God rate. God has said subscribe, yes. rate, and share. Our podcast, because then it like bumps us up higher in the ratings. And then if somebody puts in like sex and Jesus, which people Google all the time, then our stuff will come up instead of like really unhelpful, harmful things. So that can be your Christmas gift to us. Subscribe. We know that you're thinking about it. Rate and share. So thanks. So yeah, let's talk about. Please do that. Gender and what the Bible says about these non-binary gender identities. Yes, we're going to jump. There's a few things and we want to kind of make some space to talk about it all because this kind of conversation matters because we need to kind of think about the fact that if Jesus calls us to love ourselves and love our neighbors, um, part of what we all have is gender. And so we need to talk about how the Bible can kind of in, in shape how we would perceive them and shape some understandings and assumptions we can make about gender and sex. And so starting with the Bible can be a pretty helpful place. Because uh, for better or for worse, the Bible's played a huge, a huge, massive role mm-hmm. in shaping how we view each other, shaping how we view ourselves, certainly how we understand gender roles and power dynamics mm-hmm. in relationships. And so we need to go there and to make this even more complicated and far more fun. And um, what the Bible says is rarely consistent. Yay. And so that we're gonna familiar. we're gonna jump into the the paradox of it all. Um, nice. and and look to what these texts say. I should have asked you, did you have any questions about my definitions? I feel like I talked really fast. I know it's like a little quick overview, but do you have any questions? No, I think I'm good. Okay. okay. And and as we go through these things, like jump in okay. and like and add any clarification, clarifying uh, <laughs> um, things you need to, okay. to say. And if I say something that's ignorant or not right, just please correct me because okay. I, I need to learn. So we're going to begin because I think it's a, a fair statement that the Bible primarily operates with traditional or binary understandings of gender. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of have to cut the Bible a bit of slack because, first off, it's a primitive book. Um, that's how they and, and we still operate mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about other modes of gender isn't necessarily kind of what they were concerned about. And so I think... Even though we have that kind of base understanding, if we look closely enough, uh, we can see that the Bible does speak beyond duality, and we can find some space to see that God doesn't stop at male and female. Um, and we're going to point to a few places where uh, the Bible does create some space to see that non-traditionally gendered people are represented in the Bible there is some space to see that, oh, I do exist. I do have a place in this world. I am actually thought of and considered. And we'll just jump into it and see kind of where our conversations take us. Yay. So we need to go where everyone always goes. Um, and this is the the first place that all conversations about gender begin. And that's Genesis. Because it's where God says male and female. And so we get the sense that when God created the world, uh, that God did it with male and female in mind. But the thing we have to remember when we we look at this text, and, and not to beat a dead horse here, because I feel like every episode we say this, um, but these are these creation stories are myths. This is not a science textbook. Um, this is not meant to be a rubric of of who God created and who gets to sleep with who. Uh, but mm-hmm. rather is meant to speak to why did God create and who is this God who created and where is all this meant to go? Can I, this side yeah, note, I decided to like read the Christmas story recently. I think after your Christmas thing, I was like just thinking about the genealogy yeah. and you know how they trace back one's through Mary's family and one's through Joseph's. And yeah. I was like, 
that's not even that long ago. That doesn't even make sense in terms of timeline. Like, anyway, I have no idea if you're following what I'm saying, but like going back in that much time, because it's, we know that that time was way longer than oh, massively that longer. Ge- genealogy would say. It was just yeah, I'm sure moments. if you looked at the genealogies in, in Matthew and Luke, um, and you like did some quick, even like loose math with it, it'd be mm-hmm. like, 15 generations, 20 generations. Yeah. Um, that take us all the way back to Adam and Eve. Yes. Yeah, we there are a bunch of things in the Bible that that kind of hint that to the fact that this is not meant to be taken literally, mm-hmm. that this was not a historical factual account of how God created. Because first off, like who the fuck was there? Right. <laughs> you know, did God have an angel kind of keeping account and mm-hmm. God makes light before their son? It it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and no rabbi at all would have thought of taking it literally. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a spiritual, it's a theological account of uh, who's this God that created and why did this God create? Mm-hmm. What values and and vision was, was spun into it from the very beginning? Because they're trying to figure out who is this God that saved them from the Exodus. Mm-hmm. And if this is the creation, the creating God, then why, like, why did this God create? And what, this, what is, is this God like? And within that story, they talk about how, well, this God, if God created everything, then God created us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you look at Genesis 1, it says, um, God made male and female, creating them in God's image. And so, what's, do you have experience with that, mm-hmm. that text or even that line of, of being God making male and female in God's image? Yes. Um, I remember the first time kind of figuring out that it was like a plural thing, like in our image and then kind of looking at different translations and being Mm -hmm. like, and there's another point in the Bible, like right at the beginning when he's walking and he's talking, like God's walking in the garden, he talks to somebody and like, who is this plural? Who is God talking to? And like, nobody's ever really given me an answer. It's always just being like, oh, it's just God with God. And so that's kind of my experience is this like, who is this plural? And I think it just kind of blew my mind that, you know, no translation ever, like we kept, we kept that translation for a mm-hmm. reason and, or that, that word, like nobody changed it at some point to be like very like male centric or female centric. It's just really plural, which I like. Cause that's always been like yeah. this mystery to me. I'm like, Oh, that's, I wonder who that is. Who's God talking to. And if it's the Trinity, that like Trinity transcends gender. So that's something that that's I've interpreted and kind of reconciled with in terms of having conversations with rabbis and mm-hmm. pastors and other church leaders. But yeah, that piece always I'm like, who, why is it plural? Yeah. And, and, we, and we have to go there. Like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a huge, a huge bit. And for me growing up, it was always um, this indication of, Oh, this is how the world's ordered. Like it's ordered male, female, it's ordered in this binary. And so it's, this is how it's meant to work. And so for dating relationships and even biologically and partnerships, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's set up in this, this dual binary. And that's just how God works in like black and white. Yeah. And that was always kind of used to like, well, it's black and white, it's like <clears throat> male, female. I don't know if this show has shown up for you. So this is the way that this piece of scripture is showing up in the work that I do in terms of gender and sexual diversity. So not just in this binary of like, Oh, black and white, this is how men and women are. But also I've heard we're made in God's image. So if you were born trans, like if you have a gender identity, that's different than the sex that you were assigned at birth, that's just how God created you. You were just, that's how you were born. So if you were born, that you need to just be with that because you were made in God's image. And that, always i'm like that's such a harmful way to use that piece of scripture because we would never say that to somebody with like diabetes right we'd never be like well you were made in god's image so we're not going to give you insulin because you were made in god's image right i'm just watching nick process my my way of like talking about this piece of scripture that i hadn't really prepped him for because well, <clears throat> the two things went off in my head yeah, this, yeah. this will be fun okay um because one way that some contemporary scholars and teachers have, have used male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and the, their whole attempt, and these are scholars, uh, one's name is Megan DeFrance, she's done some great work cool. at the Bible and intersex 
uh, theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that she kind of points out is um, God's not speaking here in a binary, or the, the writers of the Bible aren't speaking in a binary, but rather speaking to a spectrum. Mm. In the same way that, you know, Christians say that Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, that Christ is every letter in the alphabet, that Christ mm. represents the totality oh, like of it that. all. Um, saying that God created a male and female, uh, could we read this in a way that God's speaking towards a spectrum? That yeah. male and female and everything in between that God created. Mm-hmm. And so, even though you're not named, you still have creational intent, that you are still a thought of God yes. in the very beginning. Which makes sense to me in terms of the Alpha Omega, because there is everything in between. So, yeah. so, so is, is that still a harmful... I didn't think about that being a harmful way no, to... I don't see, feel that as harmful because that interpretation of scripture is saying, rather than saying like, you know, male and, like it's black and white, it's male to female, right? Like it's it's yeah. male and, and, you know, like I think about this term, having your cake and eating it too, right? You... Yeah. Right? It's, you can have both end because it's it's i i really appreciate that way of seeing it because if if we want to be too detailed oriented with these creation accounts you know it doesn't say that god made frogs either right and it's like our frogs an abomination right like our frogs sinful do we need to go out and kill all the frogs please don't uh no frogs <laughs> are amazing um like it doesn't name armadillos either Mm-hmm. Uh, but just because they're not named does not mean that they weren't a part of creation. Yes. And kind of seeing it as this this spectrum, this diversity um, that we're made in, mm-hmm. uh, that can open up a lot of of places to think like, oh, even though my gender is not named, um, it's, it's male and female. So God created the, to- the totality of our humanity. Yeah. And that can be a really expansive way of reading this text. Which I I feel like it... In- is such an inclusive way because I think of how people have used like, that's how you were made. You're made in God's image. You can't change that. But I don't know. I think that there's, it's just such a, a weak argument. I really think, and there's not much to stand on that. So like, yeah, you can't change anything. Cause that's just how God's yeah. created you. But technically you come out naked. So y'all should be naked. Yeah. And those <laughs> are like, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, yeah. th- those are the really, I think I think I'm learning to kind of there are things that are toxic that we say about God from the pulpit, especially like, oh, every, you know, when someone dies tragically, you know, God just needed another angel in heaven. Ooh. Like, no, like, fuck, stop. No, 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 no. God does not. No. Toxic, bad, harmful mm-hmm. in every single way. And then there are things that are kind of problematic yeah. Um, and, and I think I'd, I'd kind of go this way with, with what you're pointing to. And there are things that we are, that are innately us that, yes, you know, God did create you that way and mm-hmm. you are good and beautiful. It may be difficult and bring you some tension, but, you know, own it. Like, that's who you are. It's yeah. beautiful. But then there are things that like, oh, no, you you should work on that. <laughs> yes. Like that, 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 you know, God didn't put that in. That's just, you know, who that's just there. Right. Um, and maybe we have some medicine to treat that or yeah. professionals to treat that. Um, so it, it can be used as a crutch or an, ex- as a, an excuse mm-hmm. to either not deal with something or to put up with something. Right. Is that kind of that? Yeah. Like I we need to be kind of just wary of that tension. Yes. I think there's lots of ways to kind of look at that and to say, actually, no, I think, because people will often say to me, well, being trans isn't like, medically dangerous and i will argue that it is like if people's gender identity isn't like affirmed it puts them at risk for suicide or Mm -hmm. uh self-harm addictions there's lots of different ways that people are it's a yeah it's really unsafe for people if their gender identity isn't affirmed and so yeah i think there's lots of different angles to look at that that are problematic but then there's also like lots of really healing ways to look at how like being created in god's image yeah anyway that's a, yeah, and, kind and, of a side note from what you're... Well, and a second side note, too, mm-hmm. that I think is that's always important is... Um, and I think I'm just thinking about this now. Uh, when I made these notes, I was thinking that I was speaking directly to, you know, gender people who are non-binary. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, uh, cisgendered people, 
this is for you too, because we have to learn to see people as made in God's image mm-hmm. and see them as having a place and belonging and having just as much worth and value as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so this oh, yeah. is, this is a way for us to realize like, Oh, like these passages are in here to help us see people in the way that God intended us to see them, to see them as God sees them as beautifully and wonderfully made. Yeah. So as it, as we mosey on through the Bible, yeah, um, we started at the beginning. It's a very good place to yeah. start. Sorry, the, I have the, to do a sound of music plug in during Christmas season. <laughs> Done. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other part about that is um, being made in, in in God's image and kind yes. of how you were saying. Um, and I remember being in seminary and, and a rabbi coming in to teach a class for a day. And she talked about how if, if we're going to take this verse uh, seriously, um, if male and female and everything in between is made in God's image, then we can't ever, ever talk about God as some dude up in a cloud somewhere. Right. But we actually have to see God as being transgendered or intersex, not literally, but seeing God as bigger than just one category that God actually in God's self transcends and includes all genders and all identities. Mm -hmm. And to really paint this beautiful picture of, of a very big God that we're all reflective of. And if you mosey on through the Bible some more, um, you, you see this kind of reflected in that let us let us make mm-hmm. people in our image. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a classical name for God. It's it's Elohim. It's like a plural word for God. And so God, there's already there a plurality in God's self. Um, God is represented in feminine language all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in Job and Isaiah, God is the the birthing God, the giver of life. Talks about how God has a womb. Uh, John talks about God's breasts as, you know, a source of life. Um, I remember reading. Deuteronomy, maternal images, Hosea, mother, bear, seamstress, midwife, hen. Mm. You know, it, it's 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 baked into this. And we just need to kind of be open to the fact that, oh, God can be referred to as male and female and everything in between. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the first time hearing that, like, that there were feminine words or like feminine ways that God was described. And I often will say that like I experienced God in nature and like that always, Mm -hmm. I never made sense to me that God was this like dude in a cloud, but I just remember feeling more valid as a woman, knowing that I was part of this story in some way, like as a person who identifies as female. So that's what I, I think that you and I, our goal is, is by naming some of these things, Biblically, that there are different ways in this binary that hopefully other yeah. people will feel that affirmation and like, oh, there's a place for me in this story. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. To see mm-hmm. them as represented yeah. in this text, to see them represented in God's self, yeah. even like, oh, God looks like me. Like, how beautiful is that? That I look like God. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see, it's like, even in just Genesis 1 alone, you know, that this this beautiful diversity that's just baked into creation from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That that God is so big and so diverse and transcends and includes all our names and labels that that's just imbued into into us, even when it comes to gender. Yeah. Um it's it's meant to be. You know, there's a place for them. It, it's 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 purposeful, it's it's intentional. As one rabbi kind of puts it. Um, if the Bible is our guide, then God's design for gender is a gigantic rainbow of variation, not a black and white conformity with sex. Hmm. Uh, let's pick another one. Let's do that. What do you think of when you think of the Adam and Eve story? Um, I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on what we're talking about, right? Uh, in terms of uh, sticking with the theme of like gender yes. plurality, like is that does that come up in your work at all? Not as much, to be honest. Um, sometimes like Adam and it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And then I just feel like we, like people simplify these terms, right? Into like a shtick, like a thing mm-hmm. where it's like, you're creating God's image or Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And those things can be really harmful to people. So that's how I see it used against. But then when you like really slow it down, and I think this is where 
I'm happy about this podcast and I'm happy that I finally met people in my life that like understood the Bible in different ways, but it just doesn't make sense, right? Like there's things that contradict each other in the Bible, but also like if you really think about Adam and Eve, like their children populated the world. So then we're like, then we're talking about incest, which is not okay, right? We don't, yeah. So anyways, that's a whole different topic, but yeah. So I just totally, think yeah. there's ways that we like reduce stories to a really harmful message. Yeah. And, and we use people. them to exclude and mm-hmm. to reaffirm our points. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of what I have with that. But then I also, I think about my dear friend, Rabbi Howard, who told me a lovely story about, because we often think about what happened to Eve as punishment. So Eve gets punished for eating the apple, right? And Rabbi Howard, I remember him talking to my youth group. So my Christian youth group brought them to synagogue and and he was like, well, we don't see those as punishments. Like we see them as gifts. Like, Ooh. yeah. And he did this whole reframe of, you know, why would, it's like a parent putting this apple, like, don't touch that. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to touch it. (laughs) Right. And so he reframed this whole story and it just, it was so beautiful and made me feel just like not so unworthy as a woman, but that's going back Mm -hmm. to binary pieces. So we can talk about that another time. It it came to mind for me because I remember one, um, a Jewish buddy kind of opened this up to me about how using the names Adam and Adam and Eve kind of ruined it for us. Um, Mm And made us think in a binary lens. Yeah. Uh, but if, if you actually read the Hebrew and kind of take it literally, um, Adam just means dirt. Right. And so it's <laughs> like, it's like dirt. It's kind of an it or a they is having a conversation with God and God's like, hey, dirt, go and go and find a suitable partner. Right. And so, and if you read it closely, like dirt tries out animals. Mm-hmm. You know, and the subtext there is, you know, dirt tried to sleep with animals and was like, hey, God, nothing's not, I can't find a suitable companion. There's no mutuality. There's no respect. There's no partnership. It's not working. And so God's like, oh, let's try something else. And then some rabbis translate and tell the story that it's when God puts dirt to sleep and takes out the rib. Yeah. Um, and they read that as God just literally splicing dirt in two. That's at that moment that gender is created, mm. that dirt becomes male and female, that humanity becomes male and female. And then those rabbis would then talk about um, non-binary people as almost inhabiting this, this pre-creational body of like, no, that's like you are like how God actually created us in the very, very beginning before we got split and so that. you you have this this essence to you that just for some, whatever happened you didn't split off into male and female, and so it's not a an abomination. It's not a mistake. It's actually something that's quite unique and beautiful that God put us there from the very very beginning. It's making me emotional. <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. I just that's so beautiful and lovely and affirming and just like I don't know. I think about. I don't know. I'm thinking about, um, I know my partner's going to probably end up coming onto the show at some point, but my just seeing people I love have their gender identity affirmed and like, yeah, of course, like you're even, you're like pre Adam and Eve. That's how fucking like closer to God in a way. You are all that diversity mm -hmm. put into one. Like you contain the, you contain the image of God. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I'm just a fraction of it. Right. But like you, oh my God, like you as a they, you can, like, you're just busting out the seams with divinity. Oh, I love that like so that's, much. And, that, that, and that, that's what, like, hear that. Like, that's mm-hmm. just that's so, yeah, that stopped me, like, in my tracks. I'm like, yeah, for all those reasons. It makes me not want to talk about the rest of the Bible passages, but I know we should probably get to them because they are used in other, you know, church contexts. But, oh, fuck, that was beautiful and great. And if I were just listening to this as a listener, I'd probably pause there and just be like, wow, and tell people to listen to that. Yeah, sit with it. If, if, you're, yeah. if, that's, how, if that's you right now, sit with this. Uh, but let's, you know, let's jump ahead to Jesus because, you know, it's Jesus. Jesus. 
Oh, can we talk about Deuteronomy quickly? Because that is one that I do hear. Yeah, let's talk about Deuteronomy. The cross-dressing piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just quick. So Deuteronomy 22, oh, verse Oh, and then we five. can jump to Jesus through it. We can do both. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, so Deuteronomy, the one that you're talking about, is mm-hmm. in chapter 22, verse 5, and it says, A woman must not wear a men's clothing, nor a man wear a women's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. I appreciate your voice. Like <laughs> you like the, the added emphasis. <laughs> yes. Uh, next it's hard I, to read these ones without hearing without, like the weight of that. Right. Like detest is such a mm-hmm. is such a strong word. Yeah. And so no wonder this one gets gets thrown around. Mm-hmm. Um, where have you heard it? How well, have just, you heard it used? It just becomes this black and white thing. Well, like Deuteronomy. I mean, there's lots of things that people point to in Deuteronomy, but then I, you know, there's a simple counter argument to that. Well, like, how are your sideburns doing? And I've noticed that you're wearing mixed cloth. And yes. also you are eating a cheeseburger. So, right? Like it just, that's like yeah, a we, simple. We pick and choose yeah. very specific um, First Testament laws. Right. And commandments and rules. Yeah, or and, ideas and kind of ele- elevate them above other ones that aren't, that are probably a bit more convenient to ignore. Yeah. And so I think in a response like that is just as simplified as a response to just naming that as like a thing, right? So just mm-hmm. saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Well, actually it says we shouldn't do this. It's kind of, I feel like it's a little bit of an immature response, but it, it is one that makes sense to me where it's like, it's like somebody kind of smacking you. And then you hit them and they're like, you shouldn't hit people. But you're like, you just hit me. So yeah. <laughs> like, it feels like juvenile. That's the word I'm yeah. thinking. But I, and, and, and when we hear those texts too, we, we, I think it's also important for us to realize that, that Jesus throws out huge chunks of scripture yeah. as being like, oh, well, you've heard it said, but I tell you this. Like mm-hmm. he's editing scripture being like, that's not relevant anymore. Yeah. Here's an update on it. Or you missed the point. Yes, um, and Jesus whenever we that. quote these ones, it's that always comes to my mind of like, I, I, I just because it's there doesn't mean we have to honor it. Jesus doesn't honor a whole bunch of these texts. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's why he gets killed half the time is because he just ignores them. Uh, I don't know why that made me giggle. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, killed half the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think Jesus actually does something with that text. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look ahead to Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14, um, he offers a parable. And usually it's called the parable of the wedding banquet or the wedding guest. And a parable is a, a short story. And, and Kierkegaard talks about how it's a short story that's meant to rewire and short circuit our brains. It's, mm-hmm. it's meant to kind of provoke us into new ways of, of seeing ourselves and the world around us. Um, and this parable is about a man who shows up to the wedding wearing the wrong kind of clothes. And he gets kicked out of the wedding because mm-hmm. of that. And I can't help but wonder if, oh, is Jesus doing this little subtle commentary on Deuteronomy 22 with this by causing the, the disciples to like rethink, you know, if God's kingdom is like a wedding banquet and everyone's invited, how do we treat people who dress differently than us? How do we treat people who look differently than us, who, who defy social norms um, and conventions? Mm-hmm. And is this just one of those open-ended parables that he offers that that should cause us to be rewired and kind of short-circuit our our practices to exclude people who wear women's clothing, even though they look like men, or you know, are a bit androgynous in how they dress? And so, I think Jesus has a lot to say about this. Mm-hmm. I really, I haven't heard that. I'm sure I've heard that parable, but I haven't really thought about the parable for a really long time in terms of that wedding banquet. And I think I've always overread that piece about the the dress, like like the clothing piece. So yeah, I I think that often parables are a throwback to, you know, old scripture and like how to see it differently or kind of throw pieces out. So I, I like how you frame that and talk about it. I think there's another piece to talk about as we move further into the Bible. Is there one more piece that you want to talk I, about? I've got two more. Oh, two more. Okay, go. I think we can condense them into one. Okay. Let's do this one. If you look at Matthew 19, um, usually this is the the passage that, and we will 
definitely have an episode about this. This is usually the divorce passage. Oh my God, I have a name for that episode you have already. A passage, like a name for the passage? No, for the divorce episode. I want to call it the D word and be like, oh, not that D. Oh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Divorce. I I've been like thinking about the divorce one. I think, yeah, anyway, yeah, we it's will gonna talk be good. about divorce. We will. Uh, but usually this is the passage that Christians turn to to get Jesus's, you know, 101 on like divorce. And so the, the passage kind of starts off and, and the elite are like, Jesus, what do you think about divorce? And he essentially says, it's not like great, but, you know, if you got to do it, you got to do it. And then the elite are like, then why did Moses say he was okay with it? Mm. And then Jesus is like, because Moses was wrong. Moses. And like, just like, hear, hear the weight that that would carry mm-hmm. to be like, oh, Moses, the very, the patriarch of your faith, the guy who wrote the law, like he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's the biggest statement as you can make. And then Jesus goes on to argue, you know, if you don't have to get married, um, but if you do, don't get divorced unless there's, you know, the breaking of vows or infidelity. So he kind of gives a framework to understand, you know, what when are we allowed out of these commitments and covenants that we make? Uh, but that's the other episode. I mean, this is where this gets really interesting because then Jesus then goes on to to name a whole bunch of other gender categories that would have existed in his day and age and basically says, we're having this conversation about male and female, but we can't just stop there. Like, what about all of these other people? When it comes to talking about how our society works and how our relationships are to function and the laws, we can't just make these laws for the normative kind of people. We actually have to include everybody else. And then he brings up eunuchs. Um, so people who would seem a bit more male, but they would be castrated males, essentially. Mm. Uh, people called ilonites. Um, and these would be people who, they look a bit more female, and then you have the androgynos um, and people who you can't really tell what they are. And uh, Megan DeFranz, again, talks about how, like, these people just would have assumed, like, oh, you'll figure it out at some point. You're still in that process of searching kind of who you are. Hmm. Um, and I think this is such a, a beautiful thing to mention, an important thing to mention, because, one, Jesus affirms that spectrum that God made at the very beginning. He's saying that we can't read scripture in ways that exclude people who aren't literally represented. And he says that we need to be aware of diversity when talking about things. Just because people aren't listed does not mean they don't exist and don't matter. And when we have conversations about things like marriage and relationships, we simply can't operate out of the dominant perspective. We actually have to take into account, like, what about, well, what about those people? How would they feel about this law? How would those people think about this church worship song that we're going to sing? Are they represented in this conversation? Like we have, they're people too. Just because they're othered genders and maybe minorities and people who don't particularly understand, we still have to include them in the conversation and make space for them. And so once again, we see Jesus doing what he always does is affirming God's creational intent and busting open the table so all people can be represented, especially those who have been kind of marginalized and belittled and pushed out because they don't exactly fit um, how we think we're supposed to look and act and be. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. <laughs> I was thinking about, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my voice right near the end of the podcast. <clears throat> I was thinking about, you know, just kind of having these different labels and how important that is. And people will say now, like, wow, the alphabet soup and the LGBTQ, I don't know how to, you know, with that acronym, because we keep that adding. That is how it always goes. Like, the LGBT, blah, 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 LGBT. Sometimes people get to LGBTQ now, but then we're missing all these different identities and different ways to, which I like that, that scripture piece that there's all these different gender, gender identities, gender categories, but it, people will say, oh, it's just creating more separation when really it's giving people a label and it gives us a word that we can connect to that's like well maybe lesbian never really fit for me but like queer fuck yeah that fits for me or like you know Mm -hmm. trans guy doesn't fit but like masculine non-binary that fits for me and so i think that yeah i think that 
words can be really powerful. And the more that we can give people words to, to find themselves and to like feel belonging is so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, if we're hearing these, this podcast is people in the church mm-hmm. um, and as fans and followers of Jesus who, who are trying to live out, you know, his teachings and create that world that he talked about. We have to, I think we have to see that mm-hmm. and that it's Jesus puts himself on the line and challenges the norms in order to make space and name and affirm uh, people who don't always have a voice. And how do we, the question for us is how do, how do we do that? Yeah. Because time and time again throughout scripture, if you look closely enough, you see so many examples of people who don't fit the male and female categories, not only being mentioned, but being ushered into God's world. You have the story of Philip and the eunuch, mm-hmm. you know, this, this guy with, with crushed testicles, with castrated testicles. Um, and he's walking along the road and he gets picked up or the other way around, but he's coming from the temple and He's heard the scripture that says, you know, no one who has their testicles crushed that will be admitted into the assembly of God. So, he hears that passage read out. He knows that's talking about him, but he still has this yearning to be connected with God. And so, he's like, what the fuck? Like, if if I'm not going to be admitted, then like, why do I have this connection with God? Why do I have these yearnings? And he has all these questions. Mm -hmm. And then he talks with Philip and Philip's like, oh, this is the Jesus guy. And Jesus just like busted it open. So like, come on in. And he gets baptized. Yes. The eunuch gets baptized. Mm-hmm. Like he gets entered into, walked into, allowed in with angels singing songs into God's world. This huge reversal of that Deuteronomy passage. Mm-hmm. Our job is to be like Philip. For people who live in those dominant categories and have positions of power and influence, be like, oh, yeah, no, I know what it says. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I've, I've read the book, too. Uh, but that doesn't count anymore. Yeah. Because Jesus came and said, fuck it. God loves everyone. You're made in God's image. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Just look at you. It's oozing out of you. Get in here. We need you. Mm-hmm. We can't understand God without you. Yes. And okay. how do we... How do we do that? So for me, this like if if you're a church leader and you're hearing this, like the questions this the challenge this opens up for us is to look at our our hymns, look at our prayers, look at our liturgies. Mm-hmm. Does a language represent people who don't fit into these categories? Yeah, and why? And like where did you like at what point did you did you just accept that? Did you just kind of that is how it is? Yeah. No. And and, mm-hmm. and what work do you have to do with your congregations to um, change it to all creatures of our God and Queen mm-hmm. to use instead of he language for God and instead of she language for God use they mm-hmm. it come up with some beautiful language so that when people in your in your congregations who identify as something off the binary they're like oh that's me I'm finally represented in my church and in the Bible you know what what training do you have to do with your hospitality teams. Mm-hmm. So we know not to use he or she and assume, Mm -hmm. yeah, like how how do we do that? Yeah. And so like what what conversations, what tricks do we have to learn when we meet people to not just assume they fit into one or the other? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think for people who are listening that maybe aren't part of the church world anymore because their gender identity wasn't affirmed, whether it's binary or non-binary, trans, anything under this umbrella, this part of this beautiful constellation. I like saying constellation because it's... Oh, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, maybe you'll find some healing in some of those stories. And I just really, Nick, I appreciate you doing that work and looking through those scriptures differently and giving us a different way to look at things. So thank you for that. Of course. Mm -hmm. And no, it's a joy to do because it's, it's, you know, I I get to nerd out on it. (laughs) But it's also... Oh, this weird mix of deeply, of being deeply challenging because being a cisgendered guy, like it's like it, it challenges a way that I think and makes my job far more challenging. But at the same time, like it's infinitely more beautiful and affirming of 
my core beliefs in God and in Jesus. And if if you look closely, um, it's all in there. And there are some really great people doing some great work um, on this stuff. So this this is all like stuff that I stole from them. Um, but if you if if you are listening today and you're like, I want to know more, a good place to start, check out uh, the Bible for Normal People. Um, that's a podcast by a guy named Pete Enns. He's a biblical scholar. Um, he claims that his Bible, his Bible podcast is the only God-ordained one on the internet. <laughs> but I think we can give him a run for his money. Uh, but he's got a few episodes on there about this. Cool. Um, and he's a Bible expert. Um, and so he can articulate it far better than I ever can. Um, but go there and just do you have any resources that people can get, if not on the theological end, at least yeah. trying to understand, you know, the spectrum and gender diversity work, where can they go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely would say some of the things that we've thrown up about gender and non and non-binary and like in the binary. So some of those things that we can I can put onto our show notes at some point. Um, but also if you're thinking about intersex, there's that fixing sex book. There's lots of different blogs and books and all of them are just going out of my brain right now. But if you ever email us, we can always email you a list of yeah, things. Because sometimes, sometimes there's like people's stories. Um, there's some autobiographies that people have listed. So yeah, there's lots of resources for sure. Just contact us. Yeah. So again, we've started the conversation. Yep. Um, so the rest is up to you. Go and do your homework. Sit with this. Struggle with it. Uh, talk to your friends and ministers and leaders, rabbis, whoever, about it. Mm-hmm. And I hope if I can speak for both of us, it leads you to a place of, of expansion and being affirmed and inspired in all the best of ways to see that, that what God is doing in this world is something incredibly huge and big, um, just as big as God is. And we all have a place and role in it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate you, Nick. Hey, back at you. And thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back at some point with all the episodes that we've told you Yes. We're going to do all the things. Yeah. If you have any other ideas, let us know if there's anything you really want us to talk about. Um, we've had some suggestions for sure that are on the list in terms of like abortion, divorce. Uh, we're hoping to have some more guest speakers in the new year, but thanks for sticking with us this year, 2018. It's been such a great start to our podcast and we look forward to doing more. Thank you. All right. Grace and peace, everybody. Thanks for listening to Prayer and Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. If you want more episodes, you can find them all on iTunes and Google Play or on our website, prayerandprivateparts.com. We'll have all our episodes there along with maybe some show notes and ways to get in touch with us. If you want to get in touch, you can also email us at prayerandprivateparts at gmail.com. See you soon.